If we have to define dance in literal terms, we would say that it's a performing art consisting of purposefully selected sequences of human movements. This movement has an aesthetic and symbolic value, which is acknowledged by dancers, performers, as well as various cultures. However, there is so much more besides this technical definition. For some people, dance is not a mere physical activity. It is a way of life. It is an emotion that brings people together. It is a creative form of self-expression. It is a passion igniting in the hearts of many. Some people dance to bring joy, others do it to bring mental clarity. Similarly, some see it as a part of physical activity, while for others, it is a profession. The possibilities are limitless and this is what makes this art form truly versatile and beautiful. The gift of dancing brings people from all spectrums together. It is universal. It is rightly called the poetry of the foot. Whenever you are stressed, Turn on the music, get in sync and let yourself loose to the ecstasy called dance. The financial repercussions on the ongoing pandemic has transitioned from hypothetical to real. This is especially true for the dance community where a lot of small businesses are on the margins. In this unprecedented situation, they are dealing with a sense of uncertainty. Today, we would be talking about the apparent misconception around dance as an unconventional career the impact of COVID-19 on the entertainment industry, and much more. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Socially Desi Show, the podcast that motivates you to live, create, and inspire. If this is your first time here, welcome. On our show, we discuss tips and strategies with our guest speakers on how to tackle problems related to personal growth, mental health, relationships, entrepreneurship, and health and fitness. So hit that subscribe button and go check out our website at sociallydesi.com for more of such content. Today, I'm joined by Nitika. She is a professional dance instructor and choreographer from Delhi. Hello, Nitika. Welcome to the show. Hello. Hi. Thank you for having me on the show. It's a great pleasure to be hosting you on the show today, Nitika. Uh, so uh, to our audience who are not aware about your journey, uh, so tell us about the origin story. What was it for you? Um, as a kid, I always loved dancing and I finally realized it and took it as, you know, more seriously when I was uh, around 21 and I entered my first dance class and that was it for me. So I, from that moment on, I knew that this is something that I want to see myself doing in future. So yeah, that's, that's the story. And, and what was it like training, you know, because generally we see uh, a lot of uh, people getting into dancing from a very early age, right? right? We see a lot of four years, five years old getting into dance. Right. So what was it for you? Because uh, you started at the age of 21. So what was right. it like? Um, it was uh, like, it was like an introduction to a completely new world because I used to dance just in my room and I had no idea about what, what exactly dance industry looks like. Mm-hmm. So when I entered, it was uh, it was like my mind was blown with all this information that was given to me. And uh, I think as a person for me, I set like a five-year goal for me that within five years, this is where I want to see myself. And if I don't, then, you know, I'll see what I want to do after that. So for the, for the next five years, I was putting my heart, soul, everything, everything into dancing. Every penny, everything went into dancing, nowhere else. So, and when was it when you realized that you wanted to take up uh, dancing as a professional career? Also, when I was 21, yeah, I joined my first like dance lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think when I was 24... Yeah, I think I was 23 or 24. So I was already training for like two couple of years. And then when I was 23, 24, I was about to uh, graduate from my college. So I just remember this. Uh, I just remember sitting with the form that you fill after you finish your engineering, where you put all the company's name and, you know, wherever you want to go to for an interview or mm-hmm. you know, whichever company that you want to apply for, you know, for your jobs. And I remember just sitting there for like good half an hour staring at the paper. And I'm like, if I fill this right now, then, you know, this will become an option. Do I really need this as an option? And I, I, I just said to myself, no. So I think that was the moment I chose dance over my job. 
So that's the time I knew that I'm taking this professionally for sure. <laughs> Bold move, huh? From an engineer to uh, you know dance professional. <laughs> Every everybody was so mad at me. Like you should have at least filled the form, and I'm like, I just did not want to give myself that option. You know, like I don't, I don't want this to be a choice. Like if I have chosen dance over you know everything, then I want to stick to it. So yeah, like. everybody had so many things to say about it about my decision but it's cool i think it, i think i turned out fine so yeah and uh, this is true right in the indian society i mean in, in fact i am also an engineer uh, i've done my btech in computer Woo-hoo! science welcome to the club <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you thank you so we can understand each other's uh, you know okay. life I'm, of misery i'm like wiping your te- tears like Virtually <laughs> right now, I'm just wiping them. Out. <laughs> uh, so I mean, this is so true uh, because we come from a society. Uh, even though you know we say that uh, Indians have become very progressive, but I still feel that uh, uh, there's still a major section of the society which still feels that either my kid will become an engineer or a doctor. So uh, taking up any uh, sort of performing arts as a career. Uh, is never actually uh, seen as a career it's always seen as a hobby you know okay my child wants to dance or my child is into singing so maybe that's a hobby that he or she can continue for a few years but eventually when he gets into a college uh, uh, it's either an engineering college or uh, something like a, a medical college and then he'll join some it company or some right, government right. job So, how was it like for you in your uh, family so, when when you actually decided all this? Um, my parents were in a shock. Like they <laughs> they thought I'm bluffing. <laughs> they thought four years engineering, me money lagaye, ye lagaye, all for nothing. So, um, but there is you know one more thing. Like Indian parents generally say engineering karlo and then figure out to me kya karna. Like finish your degree and then figure out to me kya karna. but i think as uh, as indian society we don't realize that that is pretty late so once you finish your university or your graduation you are already 23 or 24 you know like that's the age where people finish their engineering or yep. you know any graduation for that matter and yep. then saying ki after that like once you are done studying for 3 to 4 years and then you see what you want to do that's almost like starting from scratch you are telling your kid that okay you have done this degree and now you can start from scratch with what you want to do that does not really make any sense <laughs> so true i mean i i remember this uh, stand up uh, joke by one of this comedians called sumit anand okay. he actually he actually said in uh, one of his stand ups that um, so he said uh, society can't tell me shit now because uh, what will society say <laughs> के बेटा इंजीनियरिंग कर लो कर ली ब्रो एंड देन ही इज लाइक अच्छा तो इंजीनियरिंग कर ली तो वो एमबीए कर लो वो भी कर ली ब्रो तो अब जो करना है करो हां तो वही कर रहे हैं एग्जैक्टली दैट्स दैट्स आई मीन दैट्स व्हाट आई वांट पेरेंट्स टू अंडरस्टैंड दैट यू डोंट लाइक अ बेटर चॉइस वुड बी इफ यू डू योर ग्रेजुएशन in you know in that field that you are planning on taking up after graduation so it will be you know cost effective and <laughs> it will be a much better choice so if imagine if i would have started dancing when i was 17 or 18 then i'm pretty sure i would have been you know like at a better place or you know would have been a better dancer or you know anything so whatever money i spent in in, in engineering college I really feel like I should have spent that money, maybe at a at a dance school or you know learning or getting my graduation in arts from somewhere. But it is what it is. But don't you think that uh, this is also uh, got to do with the kind of infrastructure that a country provides, or maybe like the opportunities that you get in the country? Because see, in the West, uh, it's. Uh, Uh, really easy uh, to follow your uh, passion in whatever field that uh, you want to do that's true. Uh, yeah because you have so many avenues you have so many uh, outlets where you right. can showcase your talent where you can learn basically 
uh, I don't know about dance, so maybe you can, uh, you know, enlighten us more about it. Oh, what oh, sort yeah. of infrastructure do you have in India when it comes to uh, following dance as a career? I mean, right now, so I, I think I will put out a comparison. So I think when hmm. I was doing this class in LA, so there were like a lot of uh, moms, you know, like dancer moms. They mm-hmm. used to wait out in the waiting area and. Once I had this conversation with this lady and she told me what her schedule looks like. So she wakes up, you know, cook cook for uh, her daughter and then she takes her for the vocal classes. Then she takes her for the gymnastics classes. Then she takes her, drives her to the dance classes, then the swimming classes, then these classes and those classes. And they literally, uh, they used to drive down from somewhere, which is 10 hours away. So the parents actually put in that much effort. So their kid can, you know, become something by the age of 14 or 15, like by the 16, Hmm. by they they hit 16, their careers are already set. Like, I can't believe how much, (laughs) like how much effort that takes driving your, uh, driving your kid to like seven, eight different types of classes so the kid can actually become an Mm all-rounder and can actually pick what exactly he wants to do when he reaches 14 or 15 like yeah I guess that's the kind of exposure that uh, it's provided in the west right I see a lot of these kind of avenues there uh, which is accessible uh, for the public Right. Uh, I believe uh, one major issue that uh, in our society, what we see is that our parents, they were never exposed to this kind of uh, avenues. Right. So it's uh, it was always like, you know, uh, for them also, it was more like get a secure job because you have your family to feed and then you have responsibilities and right. you get married so early, right? Right. So you you get bombarded with these kind of responsibilities and then when you don't see these avenues and if if, you know, tomorrow if... All I see is either an engineering or a medical college or maybe uh, a doctor or an engineer who is doing good in the society. Then even in my mind, uh, you know, uh, I'll get this thought that uh, if I need a secure future, if I want my kid to have a secure future, then these are the only two options available. Right, 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 right. That is is also one of the major, major issues uh, with our infrastructure setup right now in the country. And this actually needs to change a lot because uh, like you said, right, because you have experienced it uh, outside as well. What was your experience when you did it uh, uh, in the US uh, and when you came back? uh, What sort of contrast do you see between these two countries, especially for dance? Uh, Yeah, so I feel like in Indian schools or at least the school I studied in, we had literally zero to none extracurricular activities. So I think as, you know, Indian um, Indian society, we need to give equal, if not more, like equal emphasis on your extracurricular activities as well. Like there should be swimming periods, there should be gymnastics. Like these things should not come under special, uh, you know, privileges. This should, mm. this needs to be normalized. Like if, yeah. you know, if, if the kids are having gym sessions or if they are having swimming or, you know, anything, karate or you just name it. So I think these things should be given equal, equal uh, attention. Uh, so that's one thing that I really want to point out. Because when a kid is growing up, their, bo- their, their bodies are much more gullible. So you can mold them however you want, you know, like. It's almost like you are trying to break a 25-year-old's body, you know, trying to make them flexible. And then you are trying to make a 10-year-old flexible. Which one is going to be much easier? Of course. The The younger one. Yeah, yeah, the younger one. So these are the small things that I feel which are lacking in our society very much. because It has not, not trickled down to the masses, basically. Right. Because like right now, also in India, I see a lot of people taking efforts where they drive their kids to swimming classes and you know gymnastics i mean uh, parents are doing it but not to that extent you know so maybe this should happen more maybe in the future so yeah and and what sort of uh, contrast did you see 
when you came back uh, from the US and you started your career here, what's what's one major contrast uh, in working there and here? That people do not try to be outside the box. Mm-hmm. Because uh, the movement quality, the dance quality, the... So the point is like they, everybody is trying to copy the West when it comes mm-hmm. to movement or when it comes to dancing. So how they exactly sell it here is they put the same kind of steps or same 10 steps on the Punjabi music or, you know, like some Bollywood music. Um, but I think the quality was the biggest issue because in US, everybody, ev- each and every person was focusing on the movement quality. And once I came back here, nobody knew the science behind it. Like nobody was practicing the, you know, how to actually get that movement quality. Everybody was like, yeah, so I'm I YouTube this thing, this steps, these steps look cool right now. So I'm going to take them and, you know, name it as my own choreography. So I think the one, like few things that I noticed were first was ignorance, second, lack of knowledge. Third was the degrading <laughs> movement quality for sure. And, and so what were your initial challenges when you started your uh, career here? Like, When I came back, that's what I started telling people that, you know, you have to look beyond a count of eight. You have to look beyond the number one to eight, because that's how that's what my teachers here told me that, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And when I went outside, people are literally saying the rhythm of the song. And, you know, like they had so many things to their movement, like textures, like levels and uh, you know, nuances and uh, polyrhythms and, you know, like they, like it, it felt like somebody is giving me like a lecture about dance and like everybody, mm. every, everyone is like trying to break it down that this is what dance should look like. And, you know, these are the qualities that a good dancer or, you know, a good teacher or a good choreographer should have. So when I came back, that's what I tried to do. and. Uh, that's what I, I have been trying to tell everybody that, you know, because here, if you enter any, you know, normal dance studio, they will surely will be like, yeah, one, two, three, four, five. I mean, that's that's one way of going about it. But we all need to realize that there is more to it, you know. So, yeah, when I came back here, it was actually pretty hard for me because I could, uh, you know, look behind the scenes, like what exactly is happening. And it actually blew my mind what people are doing because they are not aware of what they are doing because every person thinks that they are doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. But that's not the case every time, you know, that's not what it is. Is it like an issue with uh, the teaching practices or is it like the issue with the teacher itself? So what I'm trying to ask you is uh, uh, like the the, uh, the major difference between a dancer and a, uh, a teacher, like somebody who can teach you or uh, somebody who just is good at dancing. Because on social media these days, you see a lot of people, you know, showcasing their dancing talents. And eventually, uh, a lot of these uh, instructors, I mean, okay, dancers, they turn into instructors, right? Right. So, uh, so they'll they'll start taking uh, classes. So, uh, what is that? What is the main issue here? Is it the uh, the art form that they are teaching, or is it is it the teacher itself? I think it's both because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know what they are teaching. It's just that you know, they started doing a lot of choreographies and then they end up making their own. Okay, I'm I'm double, I'm like air quoting it, making their own choreographies. <laughs> so, like they don't know anything behind it. So, mm-hmm. ultimately the teacher is uh, ignorant, you know, like they, they are living in ignorance and that's exactly what they are teaching. It's not their fault because nobody educated them. Nobody told them that what you are doing, why you are doing, like why exactly you are doing this step or, you know, like who started doing it or, Hmm. you know, like nobody educated the person. And then according to them, that becomes right. 
So they also think that, you know, now just because I can kill these 10 steps, so I should pass it forward. But honestly, I don't think anybody's right or wrong in such a situation because it's just lack of knowledge. Like I can't do anything about it. You can't do anything about it. Because no, but then at the end of the day, if I'm spending money, right, let's say right. I want to learn dance, okay. Uh, I am an enthusiast and uh, I've been dancing casually, but then I want to take it ahead. I want to get some sort of a professional, right. uh, uh, you know, teaching in my right. dance moves. So right. how do I, as a layman, uh, somebody who doesn't know much about this, how do I uh, uh, go ahead and, uh, you know, uh, you know, pick an instructor online? I mean, how do I find out who's, who's uh, you know, just faking it and who's the real deal? So uh, that's where I think as a person who will be taking class, um, you need to do your own study. You need to compare people. You need to go and find their resume. You need to find about who, whom they trained with, where they trained, what all people, you know, they were in contact with or uh, who mentored them. So you need to find those things because because that's the only way that you can figure out, you know, like corn kitte pani types. So yeah, that I think that's a student's responsibility to do to uh, because you are the one who's giving money, you know, like it's your hard earned money. So before I enter a class, I want to know everything about that instructor. So. You can, uh, what you can do is you can find a person who is like an OG in that particular dance form. And then maybe you can try and compare to see how evolved the choreographer or the teacher that you want to take a class from is. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think you just need to study the person just ki class when you are about to enter. Okay, okay. Uh, and uh, any any other advice that you would like to give to people out there who are actually planning to join uh, uh, some sort of a virtual uh, dance class? Yeah, I mean, the only advice I'll give is not everything famous will be good. You know, not everything famous is good. So if you are going by the number of followers they have on Instagram or, you know, because making something viral is not a big deal right now. Especially mm. in the social media thing, like people are buying views, people are doing so many things to be actually famous. So that's one thing you need to not, you don't need to look at that. You need to actually look at the way they are dancing, you know, like you need to look at their art, what they are putting out more right. than mm. the views. So true. I mean, that is uh, correct because uh, uh, again, the kind of following you have on Instagram or any other social media does not really dictate uh, your quality as an instructor. I mean, that it is so true. Nothing like it. It literally means nothing. Hmm. Like your following does not tell you anything about you know about you as a teacher or as a you know as a hmm. choreographer because. If I'm really good at my job and I'm and I'm booking all the jobs that I want to book, it, it totally comes down to the personal choice. What if I am a great choreographer, my classes are packed, but I don't like social media. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to put anything on it. But at the same time, I am booking everything I want to. So I don't think there is any problem with it. Like I have all... There is this one example I want to share. So there is uh, these. There are these two choreographers. Okay, so they mm -hmm. hardly put out anything. Okay, they hardly put out when they are teaching, what they are teaching, and all of that. So they don't do much social media shit. But every time that they are teaching, each and every time they are teaching, and it's on you know some studios schedule. Like these two are coming to teach the class is always sold out. Mm -hmm. You will you will not see their class videos. You will not see anything viral about them. You will not see them giving shout outs that, hey guys, you know, we are teaching this class and blah, blah, blah. You will not see any of that. And the people I'm talking about, 
uh, are actually Brian and Scott. So they mm-hmm. are Ariana Grande's choreographers. So I have taken okay. like a couple of their classes. And every class, when I used to take with them, I used to go through their Instagram and, you know, just to see what exactly they'll be teaching. So there are not many videos or anything, but every time I entered the class, it was sold out. And I was blown away that how are they doing it without posting anything? It's just because they are so fucking good. You know? Yeah, that's true. Hmm. But I guess, you know, reaching that stage where uh, you are already a celebrity choreographer, right. uh, I guess it, it takes years and years of practice and uh, perfecting the art form. So uh, that that journey is really important. And these days, I see a lot of people trying to find a shortcut uh, to everything that they do online, be it, uh, you know, dancing, singing, whatever, painting. Right. So uh, what do you have to say about this? I mean, is there really a shortcut to uh, anyone becoming a good choreographer? See, uh, there is a shortcut for becoming a famous choreographer, but there is no shortcut for becoming a good choreographer. (laughs) Like, yeah, you can be famous. No, you know, no doubt about that. You put money in your promotions, you get those followers, you get, you know, because India is the second largest population populated country in the world so we have the numbers the point is we have the numbers but the thing we need to think about is what are those numbers doing for you Hmm. it's doing nothing it's only giving you views Uh, those numbers are not giving you work (laughs) true true. so i think that's how people need to filter their audience Hmm. Because you can have 2,000 views, but if those 2,000 people are, you know, like some celebrity artist or um, some production people or, uh, you know, some of those people, and then you have 2 lakh people who are just layman sitting at home, just scrolling through the screen, they have like who have no idea about what you are doing. So... I think I would any day consider those 2,000 people <laughs> over those two lakh so true. people. Yeah. Of course, if your following uh, is huge and you don't get the response back, so it doesn't yeah. make sense. Because at the end of the day, if uh, 10 people follow me and mm-hmm. they uh, appreciate my art and they follow me in the sense that if I'm performing somewhere or maybe I'm doing my classes somewhere, they are the ones who are promoting me. Right. That makes more sense rather than having like, you know, 10,000 or 100,000 people just, you know, liking my videos and uh, pictures for the heck of it. Yeah, totally. Totally. Like I would mm-hmm. rather get that one DM from a producer saying... I want you for my next music video rather than getting 100 comments on my video, you know, my dance video. So true, I true. think it's, it's all about priorities and how you set them. So true. And talking about music videos, you know, what were your biggest achievements uh, as a choreographer? Um, so I have done some work. So I, I did dance in two Bollywood movies as well. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh, which so, ones? Uh, oh, one was oh, I don't want to tell you. I'm not saying what. <laughs> so one was Tamasha. One was uh, I think Viredi Wedding. Then uh, like I was I was yeah I was just a dancer there. Like I was dancing. Um, uh, that's fine, but I'll I'll check it out. No, Tamasha. So <laughs> which which song? It was in the end. It's okay. I'm not that visible because it's like a stage uh, <laughs> performance production thing. But that's the thing. Hmm. We rehearsed for two weeks and okay. we, we were told as if everyone is going to be visible. Like even hmm. if one movement goes out of place, we had to do it again. Like that's True. how hard our rehearsals were. So everybody was thinking, Ki, you know, everything is going to be visible. <laughs> <laughs> and and then when the um, when the movie actually came out and everybody was sitting and I'm like, wait so they fogged everything so you know that smoke uh, the stained smoke mm-hmm. so everybody was uh, in just silhouettes and okay. i'm like wait so they made us rehearse that hard for this <laughs> like two but I, i'm sure this uh, this would have been a great experience for you it was amazing it was one of the best experiences for sure 
and then and who was choreographing that uh ashley lobo so he was like one of my first uh, mentors mm-hmm. so he was choreographing the the song okay. and then i also ended up choreographing for z music um one of the videos is going to come on vh1 so yeah i was doing all of that <laughs> That's did, great. That's yeah, great. Yeah, I did um I did choreograph one uh, ad film as well for Jabong. So, yeah, that's what I've been doing. And what's the difference uh when you work for uh, a movie set and when you work for a commercial for Jabong? Uh, what sort of difference do you see in both the working style? It Okay, so when you are on the movie set, you are literally under the director. So if Imtiaz is saying get up mm-hmm. like you just have to get up you know like and the shoot went on for i think 3 to 4 days so in 3 to 4 days uh we were sleeping on stage we were eating on stage like we were not doing anything else yeah so so i think yeah it was it's all about getting that one shot right but when it comes to things like music videos or ad commercials the one i did for jabong it was you are given a time limit that mm-hmm. you just have 12 hours on the set do whatever you can to make it you know make it the best so we had so many glitches when you we were filming because uh kabhi lights ja rahe kabhi somebody is not walking right kabhi model mm-hmm. ready nahi hai <laughs> so <laughs> so we had so many issues but so we had uh, this overnight shoot so we started mm-hmm. at 7 pm and then we had the set till 7 am in the morning and uh, i still remember we we were like rushing through each and every model just trying to make them work because it's all about when you're doing a ad shoot it's all about the product you know so we were trying to it's it's how you can make that product look better you know like yeah. mm. like how can you make that product uh wanted by the audience like you need to present it a certain way correct yeah so yeah that's that's the difference it's it's all about the product it's all about that all that jazz and then and on a movie set it's all about getting that one shot right no matter how how much you know how long it takes you just have to get that one shot right so i still remember ranveer uh, ranveer like yeah ranveer and dipika's kiss that took almost one day hmm it and we are just sitting on stage like just kiss them just kiss <laughs> 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 please kiss <laughs> because that shot kept going on for for a full day um but yeah it was fun for sure I mean yeah I, I guess uh, that that's what happens when a director has a specific uh, kind of feel for the scene you know unless and until he gets that totally. uh, he'll make the actors do again and again and again similarly for you guys also I'm sure if uh, Ashley uh, f- feels that uh, you're not doing the right step or maybe like he see he sees some sort of a flex going wrong right. <laughs> he'll make you do that again and again totally totally and emtiaz is a sweetheart to work with because mm. he never screamed at any of us he never did any of that he is just the most calm and composed person i've ever seen or worked with so like very calm not saying anything not shouting at anybody calmly telling everybody what to do and i'm like okay this this is a nice experience you know <laughs> no i'm sure i'm sure it would be and um, so you started your own uh, you've started your own venture as well right uh, in sync yeah i did and uh, this is what we actually uh, also wanted to talk about in the episode uh, you know especially the impact of covid uh, on the entertainment industry and right. specifically uh, coming to the dance uh, industry uh, what do you feel um, what sort of impact has this uh, made on the businesses and on choreographers and since you have started your own venture right. what was what was it like when you started it see it's disastrous because hmm. studios are shutting down like the one of the studios i used to teach at that is shut now yeah okay. so a lot of people are losing jobs a lot of people are losing their livelihood that's for sure so covid needs to go like <laughs> it has to leave <laughs> because uh, 
because right now gyms are also shut i guess yeah so the non essential uh, industry that needs to open up because uh, there are like so many dancers who call me every day and text me like agar kuch aata hai to bata do you know like hmm, if if hmm. there is something then please tell us and everybody is getting on to zoom i don't know why skype did not start their own thing because i think skype was the ultimate video calling app but i think zoom took over and everyone like everyone is trying to sell their classes literally for free so i understand that because uh, you know you're trying to market yourself yeah but people who who had no training you know people who who were dancing for like let's just say one year or one and a half years uh literally today i saw this post where this girl said teaching all styles heels included too <laughs> <laughs> But honestly, I don't blame them. The reason I don't blame them is because everyone is trying to survive. Everyone is trying to make a coin and you know just stay afloat. Yeah, true. Yeah. So, but then uh, I guess you know digital platforms they have opened up a lot of opportunities for uh, choreographers like you. uh especially when it comes to dancing earlier like you said you know your studio uh, shut down right. uh, and initially like in the earlier days uh, pre covid everybody was focused on their local market right so like a choreographer in pune or in mumbai would be focused on their own studio or maybe they they would be tying up with some studio teaching there from day till night right, right. so they were content i mean uh, they were content and they were happy with the kind of uh, yeah because but, it was like a regular job you know like hmm. not not people like me who is a freelancer and i always very pick and choose my work but all the studios around everybody had uh, running dance classes you know so it was like a regular job i would go to the studio teach three classes come back and you know like everybody had a fixed amount that each month i'm going to get this much amount and a lot of people are not staying with their parents as well so yeah <laughs> it's taking a toll on everyone true but uh, now since because of uh, this pandemic one thing which uh, has come out positively is that now you can sit in pune and actually train somebody in the us right yeah so, so this barrier of uh, land uh, has basically broken down right and nobody knew so like nobody knew i mean everybody had the access everybody had access to zoom to instagram to everything else but nobody really thought that they would have to go and teach somebody on instagram or on zoom yeah. uh, who's not even you know who's not even in their own country totally i think that's one good thing 2020 has taught us that you know like you can still function like how hmm. how less you need to survive like right now um like i'm putting up this weekender program where i'm getting one teacher is from england and two teachers are from the us so i mm-hmm. 6 months back i would have never thought that i'll be doing this but now because uh, you know like i have this option of zoom i thought why not why can't i keep international faculty to my dance program and you know have them teach because uh, yeah i want to take full advantage of zoom for sure everybody should i mean uh, be it any business yeah uh, if you if you are uh, trying to survive in this pandemic and mm-hmm. I, i don't think so this trend is going to go anywhere because it has started now people have understood that uh, digital is the way to go online is the way True. to go so True. eventually uh, uh, this is what i feel i mean uh, we can discuss more about it but what i feel is that even if you know uh, somewhere down the line we get uh, some sort of a medication or vaccination for this right. um, uh, you know disease uh, this virus uh, even then even if things start opening up you will still see uh, the online trends the online classes still happening for a lot of businesses because this would then become an additional source of income for them totally yeah this has made things very accessible for people like uh, i think somebody few days back asked me this question like once this pandemic goes away uh, will you stop taking virtual classes or you know like will you shut hmm. the online virtual program and i'm like no i will get into a studio and i will teach in person but i will keep this running for sure 
because this like this gives me a way to connect with a lot of people who are not here with me so a lot of people from literally around india they come and take classes with me virtually so i am personally loving it till now the whole experience online i think i think i like it and tell us more about insync insync yeah that's my baby <laughs> <laughs> um so uh i was not really teaching a lot i like i stopped teaching around december and january and a lot of people were asking me you know like why aren't you teaching because ev- everyone's page was flooded with i'm teaching a free ig class i'm teaching a free ig class and you know how because uh, i'm i'm like a i'm always out in public like when mm-hmm. once you once your profile is open and you know once you are i won't say like a public figure but you know like somebody whose entire work is around what they put out, out on social media yeah you know? mm. so i felt that uh that i'm losing it <laughs> for because i was not teaching anything for 2 3 months and uh, uh something you know like in february i went through uh a very big change in my life which impacted me very badly personally so mm-hmm. and then in sync was a way that helped me come out of it so i still remember in february i was like writing down all the things that i want to cover in a training program and okay. i because i was in such a weird and dark place that i felt i need to turn all this negative not negative i mean whatever you can say pain negative energy into something more productive because literally i used to do nothing i i stopped feeling that i need to do something like so i changed all that attention into in sync i wrote down the program and i just started it and after that um Yeah, I think in sync made me more productive. Now I actually look forward to dancing. <laughs> so <laughs> like yeah, I think teaching kind of kind of saved me in a way because I do love teaching for sure. It's one of my biggest passion. So that's what we do in in sync. I we work on all the foundations, we work on a lot of choreographies, we work on performance and actually how to perform those choreographies so in each class goes on for 1.5 hours so that's a lot of time but each month and each month i give away one or two scholarships for the people who don't have that much you know oh, money that's nice. yeah money mm-hmm. in hand so yeah that's how we run it and we shut the registrations um like after a week so we so i have uh, like a specific set of students each month mm-hmm. so yeah that's how we work i guess that's a very nice idea of uh, providing scholarships so are these scholarships like uh, are they open throughout the month or you have a specific time for no, taking no, in no. scholarships they are they are just open for a week so once we mm-hmm. like once we finish a month then mm-hmm. i take one week one week's gap and that's the time period people can send in their videos for scholarship and then okay. we announce the results like at the end of the week and then they can join the classes for the next month like that ah that's nice yeah that's nice and you know uh, we also wanted to extend this offer to our uh, socially desi listeners out there yeah so come join i mean <laughs> yeah i mean definitely people who are listening to us definitely go check uh, insync out on instagram we would be putting down the links uh in the show notes below so definitely check that out and also check out uh, nitika lohia on instagram uh especially uh, what i liked about this program is since you uh, can apply for a scholarship and also you have some other offers going on right for your programs uh other offers as in as in uh, like we were discussing earlier that uh, there was one full scholarships and then there are some other scholarships yeah, as yeah, well yeah yeah so generally i give out one full scholarship so they don't have to pay anything for mm. a month they can come and take all the classes and one is like 50% off so they can pay just the half the amount of the scholarship um, okay like the entire program i mean and then sometimes when people text me that ma'am we don't have that much money <laughs> so i personally 
Like personally, I text them and I tell them that, you know, they don't, ha- they can just pay this much amount. Okay. So that's like a very small gesture, mm-hmm. token kindness or whatever that I send out to people. Um, yeah. And the whole idea of bringing in the international faculty is because I don't want to say that I know everything as a dancer because that's true. not true. Yeah. I'll, I'll be lying if I say, just come to my class, I'll teach you all. That that that's not gonna happen. I I'm still learning, you know. So I uh, I get all my friends and my teachers, like people who inspired me along the way, and I ask them to come and take classes and mentor them as well. So each month they will be getting movement classes or you know choreography classes. Or uh, one of my teachers used to say this: attention, uh, intention, not attention. So okay. those, those kind of classes. Uh, so because that's what heels is all about. It's more about intention than craving for attention. So hmm. I have uh, this month. I have Maria coming in, Christian coming in, Matthew coming in. So okay. these people will be teaching in the September end, weekender ish situation. Right. I mean, yeah, that's a great opportunity for a lot of people who want to uh, start learning something uh, and they want to actually kickstart their dancing careers. Uh, I guess these kind of workshops will definitely help them out. So guys, definitely check out uh, Nitika's page on Instagram as well as NSYNC on Instagram and uh, uh, they'll find uh, all the details there itself on the page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, like the whole point of NSYNC was that I struggled a lot with uh, figuring out things about dancing because nobody you know took out time to make me understand what exactly we are doing so i always thought that there might be a lot of people you know outside yeah. who face the same thing that i did you know hmm. so that's why like that was the idea behind it actually so not like I don't want anybody else to suffer the way I did to figure out things. So now that I have figured out few things, so I just want to give it back and tell them that, you know, this is what it is. So you don't need to waste or uh, you don't need to spend two or three years figuring it out. Like I can tell you that within, you know, like within a few months and you can take that information and apply to all the other dance classes that you take or whatever style that you want to do. That is so true. And uh, thanks for doing this, uh, Nitika, because I feel that uh, these kind of workshops, these kind of initiatives are really helpful. So uh, I hope a lot of people will uh, get some benefit out of it, some value out of it. And like you said, you know, you have uh, spent so many years figuring out the kind of yeah. uh, training that is really required and right. what's essential and what's not. So before we wrap up the episode, uh, just wanted to understand what's your uh, view on this whole dance being an uncommon and unconventional career for Indians. So how can we change that? How do we as a society come forward and change this whole perception for dance? I think the only way we can change the society or uh, we can change this perception is by letting your kids be. Hmm. Like if they are telling you that mom or dad, I like dancing, just encourage them. Just just don't try to force them with your experiences or what you lived with, you know, like whatever you have seen in your life. Don't try to push that on your kids. If 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 the kids come to you and say that, mom, I like to paint, you know, this is a painting workshop or classes I want to join. Just just say yes, you know. If And even if you don't have that many resources, you know, like not all the parents are going to be rich and they'll be saying, just find out a way. Like maybe you can look for, uh, I don't know, maybe you can talk to the teacher, ask them to give a scholarship. Maybe you can ask a teacher to evaluate what your, you know, what all your kid can do. And I'm pretty sure a lot of uh, teachers out there will be happy to have a hardworking student and your child can, um, you know, have a full-fledged career from the from the very starting, and they don't have to hustle in their twenties. You know, 
So true. Yeah. I mean, that's really important that uh, we as parents, uh, you know, we have to think that, okay, if my child wants to become a dancer or a musician or, you know, whatever he wants to or she wants to, mm-hmm. maybe at least give them a chance. So I guess um, instead of, uh, you know, completely neglecting or saying no to uh, his or her choices, maybe one shot sh- should be given. Yeah, because, you know, like a child is like a blank canvas. They don't know what's right or wrong is. The only right or wrong they will know is what you tell them and what they see around. So, I like, I still remember, like, my mom never tells anybody that, uh, or she's always, you know, hesitant to say that my sis, my daughter is uh, is a dancer and choreographer. She She doesn't like saying that. Hmm. And it's not even her fault. The fault is the environment she grew up in, you know. So I don't blame her. And, you know, sometimes I just give her looks that, why, why are you, like, why can't you just say it? And then she tells me, ki, you know, ki hum log aise bade nahi hue the. Right, yeah. But at the same time, she, she never, uh, you know, points out or uh, she never raises any questions hmm. for what I do. So... I think we are somewhere on the neutral ground <laughs> where <laughs> she's still okay, but I also have to somehow respect where she's coming from. Yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, as a society, we have a long way to go ahead. Totally. And uh, rightly said, uh, reaching that neutral ground for the time being is important. Yeah. Uh, so I guess let's reach that neutral ground first and then maybe, you know, we can find our way out of there. So thank you again, Anitika, for joining me on this episode. It was lovely having you on the show. (laughs) Yeah, thank you for calling me and, you know, asking me to be here. I loved it. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. Uh, The pleasure was completely mine. So uh, we'll do this again uh, in the future. We'll talk more about dance. We'll talk more about uh, choreography. We'll try to mix it up and uh, do something new next time. I would love that. Let's do it. So that wraps it up for today, folks. If you liked the episode, give it a big thumbs up, share it with your friends and let's go viral. Remember, our weekly podcast features episodes on personal growth, mental health, relationships, business and entrepreneurship and health and fitness. We would love to have Nitika on our show again in the future to discuss more about dance and entertainment. So if you haven't yet done so, hit that subscribe button and go check out our website at sociallydesi.com. And as always, before I sign off, remember... Life is black and white and everything in between.